0: Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. Welcome to what I'm being told is episode 16 of According to Flint and Happy to have an old, a long time, not old friend, a long time friend, 11 time world champion, barrel racer. She's a pro rodeo hall of famer. She's Tony's caretaker and Tyler and Austin's mom. The one and only, the legendary Charmaine James. It's been too long, Charmaine. Good to see you. It has
1: been a long time. Hey, good thing you did this so we can catch back up again.
0: Uh, That's, I actually, that's what it feels like sometime doing these that we need We need this to catch up with people because we used to, we hung out at rodeos. We were friends. You were, you were on the downhill side of your career, but by the time you were 30, hell, you'd done everything you ever wanted to do, but we did have fun at rodeos, didn't we?
1: Well, gosh, all your friends on the road and, you know, people just having a good time. You know, some of it was better than other times, but it was, (laughs) I mean, it was a good time.
0: Yeah. Um, how old are your boys now? Tell me about your boys. Um,
1: Tyler is 16 and Austin <sighs> is 13.
0: Oh my gosh. That's uh where did it go? My girls are 22 and almost 20. I, and it just look and look at us. We still look spectacular and young. I,
1: I think, well, you, you want to say old. If you think 28s old, I don't know. You know,
0: whatever. <laughs> but uh, is, um, I know your boys, uh, is baseball their main thing. Your boys, yes. I know they're athletes, but it's it's mm-hmm. baseball.
1: No, they really focused on baseball. That's been their thing. That's been their passion. They live, eat, breathe it.
0: So, what was that? Was that Tony? Was that their dad's background? What? What? What no. drove them completely to baseball like that?
1: Well, you know, it's funny when Tyler was, um, gosh, when he was five or six, he loved Jeff Garden, Jeff Gordon, and uh, you know the NASCAR stuff, uh-huh. right? So we raced go-karts. He raced go-karts for a while. And I was like, yes, because really my, my true passion would be Danica Patrick. I would love to uh, race cars. Wow, right? She's
0: my true passion too. I Jill. Yeah, that yeah. was a softball. Yeah, I don't, yeah.
1: A, I don't mean it in your kind of way, but I, <laughs> anyway, I wanted to be, you know, yeah. I wanted to be what, what she was. So when he started racing cars, I was like, or go-karts, I'm like, here we go. This is awesome. Well, Tony's like, I, you know, I don't know. This is my deal here, you know? change spark plugs and got to have the right fuel in them and whatever else. So, but anyway, Tyler, he started playing little league and he just got obsessed with it. He wanted to go out and just throw every day. And he just, he made that decision at a young age, you know, I just want to play baseball. I don't want to race cards anymore. So I was like, okay, that's fine. You mm. know, I, it's important to do whatever your passion right. leads you to. And everybody's like, aren't you disappointed? He's not roping and rodeo and i'm like no you yeah. have to love what you do and so they he did it and then when austin came along austin's the same way that's he just wanted when the time he was two three years old all he wanted to do was go on the field mm. he wanted me to sit in the stands watch him of course i threw a million balls you know mm. just not that i can pitch by any means but i can kind of toss it in there and they can hit it i mean that's just what they did so we had a great time
0: it's uh, i love baseball I, I, I loved playing baseball. I, all of it. I have a nephew. My sister's son is a college baseball coach, actually. BYU. Yeah. He's a pitching coach. So, yeah, I love nice. baseball. Is, uh, is rodeo or was rodeo ever? I mean, they're obviously, they know who their mom is. And, and Tony, your husband's been involved in rodeo in a, you, you know, on the kind of, I guess I'd call it corporate side. Is it a part of their life at at all? Is there an interest there? Are they knowledgeable about it? How much is their involvement in that?
1: Um, well, they they pay attention to what Tony does as far as you know contracts, and they like to listen to conversations that he has, so they know what Tony's done. and And they're both really smart. and And on the on the rodeo side of it, um, you know, they went with me. Cause I didn't, I wanted to raise my kids when I was teaching at the clinics. And so I took them with me one day. Tyler's like, mom, I'm not going anymore. <laughs> any more barrel racing clinics, no more barrel horses, no more barrel racers was done with that. I'm staying yeah. home with that. Well, and cool. really, you know, those days are long at the clinics. It's from, you know, yeah. seven in the morning till seven, eight o'clock at night sometimes. And so they're, they, they just, they they were out on that. And, they rode a little bit. They were good riders. Um, It just wasn't what they wanted to do. I mean, they love sports. Now, Tony played football in college, and um, he played baseball all through high school. He was a good athlete. Um, And I will say this, from competing, I was meticulous about uh, just fundamentals as far as barrel racing, certain things your horses had to do, you know, skills that a rider had to have. Well, Tony picked up on that pretty fast, so he's got a pretty good eye for you know, what's, what's there. And, and um, the one thing when the boys were young, I I told him, I'm like, Tony, I teach people and it's so hard to break habits, the older they get. I said, the boys got to have good fundamentals from the beginning, just good basic fundamentals from the beginning. And, and I think that that's what we worked on just making sure that, you know, there's always difference of opinion of this style, that style, whatever else, but you know, you kind of have to work with the individual like you do with the horse. You know, every horse is different. You might yeah. have to do ah! something a little different.
0: What's your dog's name? What's your That's dog? That's Fraser. Fraser. Okay. Yeah. Just wondering. It's not a rooster, but it, what is he? What is he? He What's is your... a Jack Russell. Oh, my God. He is a. Fun <laughs> dog. Um, you bring up something good. I think it carries over. I, I've always said in the sport of rodeo, and this isn't discounting the ones that weren't. I always give a little edge to people that were athletes in something else, um, because I think there's uh, you know how to train, you know how to win, you know how to focus mentally. I think that comes from getting coached by someone, and so <laughs> I've always given that little edge. You were a you were a sports girl, weren't you? Like high school? Junior oh yeah, high.
1: I played basketball. Yeah. I loved basketball, and and where I grew up, uh, basketball was uh, important. Like it was a it was the mm-hmm. big deal. Basketball and football there. the we, the Clayton won so many state championships. Um, coach Waters was a, was a great coach there. And so it was a big deal.
0: Um, You will, if your dog keeps uh, barking, you will rival the Justin McBride podcast with the rooster. I'm going to
1: hold him because he, well, he's, one, he's trying to tell me, hey, let's go outside and do something.
0: Well, well it quit snowing in Texas, so. You well, could yeah, go for outside. Now, who knows what's coming next, <laughs> uh, right? Where, hey,
1: us Texans, we're ready for anything.
0: No, no, you're not. It, like, like I said, it, I read something. Don't mess with Texas unless you have two to five inches of snow, and then you mess them up. So, <laughs> I was down there during all that, and now as we do this, it's been a few weeks, but I was down there during all that, and it was legit a mess in Texas. Oh yeah,
1: people. I mean, we. I grew up in the snow. Right. I grew up in the snow and it's not the same. We're in your area that's not prepared. And then I don't know what happened with the power. There's so much stuff going on with the power and whatever else. It was ridiculous. And so many people can't even get pumps for their wells.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. Get Frazier. She's getting him. (laughs) You got him or did he run? Oh, he, she's getting it. Everybody. This is an interesting moment in according to Flint. The first time our guest left to go find her dog. Here. There's Fraser. Fraser, wait on the show. Fraser, he had a Jack <laughs> Russell. Remember the TV show Fraser?
1: Yes.
0: He had a Jack Russell dog.
1: I know, isn't it weird? But it wasn't like
0: that, huh? Hi, Fraser. No, look at no. for everyone watching. Sorry. This is a this is a fur No, Fraser's good. Um, he likes to be a lap
1: dog. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, quit barking now.
0: Yeah. Um, kind of segue back a little that. With your boys growing up, and you mentioned they would go to clinics with you. um, That gave you, I notice on your clinic schedule, you do about one a month. Actually, one a month is what I I looked it up to see when your schedules are. That does give you that opportunity rather than being out on the road, out on the rodeo trail. You're giving back to the sport, but you're home more. You have a, you know, you're seeing revenue still from the sport. That's important, of course. But that does give you an opportunity to be to be more of a mom when you leave for one week out of the month that's a little easier isn't it
1: well i you know the main reason i retired from going was i wanted to stay home and you know be a mom raise my kids i didn't want anybody else raising them so um yeah i can go do a clinic and then gosh tony and i have to split up a little bit because both boys play Mm -hmm. And so he may be going one direction. I'm going the other one with one and, you know, they want us there with them. They, you know, we don't, I don't talk to them during the game. I don't get involved in any of it. I, I try to make them responsible for what they do and how to be, and, you know, replay it through after the game, what they need to do. Um, I think my mom and dad let me do that a lot. And so, yeah, what a great, what a great life to be able to go out, teach, I mean, it's hard. Those schools are hard. I ride 30, 35 horses at the schools. You're on your, you're out in the arena from, you know, seven in the morning till six, seven o'clock at night. But I love it. I love helping the horses, helping the people. And um, it's it, these people are getting coached of how to go through it. And, you know, the rodeo industry, a lot of it's been that when something doesn't go right, it's always the horse, horse's fault right? Yeah. Right. And a yeah. lot of people don't take a lot of, uh, you know, they don't take that on their self that I need to be a better writer. I need better fundamentals. I need better skills. Mm-hmm. So um, if I can teach that and and help them work through that, it's a great thing.
0: I will say uh, from experience with my family, there's a lot of greats out there in, in everything. Roping roping's the same way because there's so many clinics. People who win are one thing, but people who can teach it, are, are a whole nother thing. And I will say you are one of the great clinicians in horsemanship and barrel racing that there is. And I just think you bring that up. You, you kind of brought it up and, and something I wrote down. Your clinics are four days for the most part, correct? Four days. Yeah. And that's a yeah. long clinic. To, in my world, that that is a, you're giving them their money's worth for one. But the thing I see with you is, the bigger picture of of what's happening. It's horsemanship, it's maintenance of the horse. And you do get on everybody's horse and ride those horses. But there is a, a, a bigger picture, not just ride the horse through the gate, let's get him working these barrels, let's go, good job, on to the next one, right? Right. Good answer, right. <laughs> what, it does everyone, I don't think everyone gets on other people's horses. You ride. Do you ride every horse that's at your clinic? You get yeah, on them to tell them. them. What does that do yeah, for the you?
1: First, well, I here's the thing. Over the years of competing, you have so many people that watch from the bleachers, oh, and they all have opinions. Really? You know they wait, opinions, but and I don't have to go there, right?
0: You're, wait, you're saying so? What you're saying is there's barrel racers around the country watching on TV. Girls run at the NFR, and they know how to fix the horse. The yeah. 3D girl knows how to fix the horse, huh?
1: Interesting. <laughs> I think, and I don't know. I'm sure it's that way, really, in every sport. Oh but yeah, completely. Nice in rodeo, you yeah, know, completely. the guy who you know goes and wins every once in a while at a pro rodeo, that guy knows more than the guy going down the road, right? Mm-hmm. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's it's that way a little bit, but but the main reason I wanted to get on and ride those horses is because if I'm going to be teaching you and trying to make you do something on that horse, I need to know how that horse feels, how he rides in your hands, how, how broke he is. And, and if I just need to know what the horse is so that I can help the rider ride them. And um, you know, and, and really it's not like, everybody's like, everybody has a style. It's this, it's that. Really? I feel like I'm just problem solving, you know, with the people put myself in their shoes on that horse where they're trying to get what they're trying to do. And, uh, and I, and that's really what it's about. Just knowing the people, knowing the horse, so you can do a better job of helping them.
0: Is there, and I see, I, I, I think you learn more about something like you might know, you know, as a teacher, or I was a coach, I learned more about football once I started coaching it than I ever did playing it. And I'm sure you've learned more about horsemanship barrel racing now that you teach it uh yes. than when you did it is there one is there when you go to in a clinic even in my job people think i'm making up a lot of stuff as i go oh that happened but i know i can predict a lot of things that are going to happen i can see things coming in your clinics you're obviously going to see uh mistakes or or things with horses and riders is there one if you had to pick one biggest mistake or issue at a clinic that you see horse or rider one thing what is it
1: yeah there is one thing and it's why i still you know my clinics are still successful because the norm out there for riders who get too close to the barrels right who knock barrels down or the horse is shouldering they shoulder the barrel then they come wide off the backside and they stall in the turns and all that other stuff it comes from this this theory that's out there of pick the shoulder up, move them over. Because when you're, when you're going slow around the barrels at a walk at a trot at a lope, that horse can side pass real easy, can go up there and you can move them over. And, and so that works great going slow, but when you speed it up and go faster and that's all you've ever learned to do is pick up that inside rein move them over, side pass, pick up the shoulder, whatever terminology you want to use. All that does is put pressure on the inside rein. And so when you leave that first barrel and that's all you know, gosh, you're there in two seconds and you've just picked up on the inside rein. Well, that horse, does he say side pass or does he say go in? Mm -hmm. They don't really side pass. I mean, some horses can move laterally like that, but they don't always go to the barrel and side pass. Why do we want to do that? And I think the greatest lesson is that Scamper just ran in their square. There was no moving out or in. He was, he lasted forever. I mean, that was not that any of that I really knew that was just a God given, um, you know, the moon and the stars and everything lined up just right. But, but people are reaping the benefits of that just God given uh thing that scamper and i had and it's just to ride in there square you don't have to be bending the nose around swinging the butt out kicking them around like that it's just (laughs) right in there directly and so that crossing that hand over to hold them off and then you get you hold them off and then the hand drops down Uh, and it puts them on the front end Right, so that's the number one thing and and one of my assistants that worked with me, she used to have horses that ducked, and she hit barrels, and that's what she did. She always held them off, picked the shoulder up, moved them over. She had horses that uh ducked and and she hit a lot of barrels, hmm. so that's the number one thing
0: i I giggle because I've heard it all. I've heard all of this for with my yeah. girls and and uh m- you know my uh, their mom has made them. Good, hor- you know, if, if there's a problem, you should know how to correct it. That's always been her philosophy to the girls. Don't go in to a situation without knowing how to correct the issue. So, um, it, yeah, I know when you say move them over, that's called the Montana move over. That's what that's what that's what I call it. Right into the third barrel and swoop out the Montana move over. Got to do it. It gets, things get trendy. It's
1: not like you can't do it. You know, you can hold them off the barrels, but you can bet the next time they're going to move in there, move in there. And sometimes it affects them more and more over the, over the course of time. And anyway.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's interesting to me because like I said, and you know that I've, I've been, and by the way, I know that days at clinics are long because I have observed a lot so
1: you were probably I really like please. Just I like, actually, you,
0: you know, I can honestly tell you that when I and, and maybe it was because I was gone a lot, but when my girls would have an, an all day high school rodeo or they'd go to a big barrel racing that was all day, or we'd be in Arizona, I enjoyed it. I I learned, I started to learn what horses would do and watch every run and figure out and evaluate it in my with myself because I naturally like to teach things. So I really did always enjoy it. So maybe because maybe that's where my kids were, I guess. So well,
1: yeah, if you, you got to learn to, you know, and watch and evaluate, be the observer, you know, of what's yeah. happening. And I, I honestly, a lot of people want to come do private lessons and I did private mm-hmm. lessons, but I'm like, I can't figure out why these people aren't excelling like they should with this information and the time spent with them. Um, but I think that at the schools, people are watching uh-huh. and it's not always that it begins uh, just good horsemanship of how to guide your horse, your angles, your position, all that begins. Oh, wow. And they see it. Right. And they begin to verbalize it back after, you know, you have that much time with them and hearing other people talk about it. It just sticks Mm. in their head. Like we've had some, you know, really good success of people coming out of the clinics and their time gets faster and the horses work better. And
0: You you know, you know why, yeah. I, I'll tell you, there's an atmosphere in a group setting to learn. And it is why our kids are suffering not being in school. It's why college kids aren't doing as well in college, taking classes online, because in a group setting with other people there, you learn better. You answer, I mean, that's a, when you say, you know, private lessons, they weren't getting the, the results they should. There is something about a classroom oh, yeah. group setting. The, yeah. the
1: the kids really like to be in school. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a whole nother. That's yeah. a whole nother thing.
0: <laughs> but it, you know, it's similar. You you take more out of it when you're around other people all in uh, learning that same thing. I, yeah, know.
1: and then and then you know the other part of it is is this uh, peer pressure of what if I make a mistake and what if I look bad and you know worrying about all that and. Yeah. And like, look, you're never going to get an opportunity where well, you got 30 other eyes, you know, detailing everything that you're doing with with, yeah. with their eyes and watching you. So you're kind of put under the gun a little bit and you have to learn to just do your thing. You and that horse become one and focus on what you need to do and and I'm not gonna say quit worrying about what people think about you because people will worry. Just mm-hmm. get focused on the things that you need and and what really can they think or say that's gonna affect anything that you're doing, you know? And, and, you know, I will say this, one of the probably the biggest things I see is people have had somebody along the way tell them that they can't do it or they weren't good enough or their horse was this or that. And, and they really took that to heart and believed that. Rather than believing, I can do this and use that for fuel Mm -hmm. to get better, right? So you kind of have this split in this choice, this direction to make of, wow, do I let those people who told me I couldn't do it, just I believe that and I live there? Or do I use that as fuel? Hey, by God, I'm going to do it. And I understand that it's going to be work to get there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I I agree. Uh, That is a huge Completely huge obstacle. Uh, In your clinics, I would imagine that you do, I I think a a big issue, especially with, and you know this, to make a run at a slack at eight in the morning, get in a rig, drive 400 miles, run in the evening, uh, get in, drive all night, run at slack at another one the next morning. One obstacle, there's more to winning in rodeo than just being the best one. You have to learn to travel. You have to learn to enter. Horse maintenance is huge. To keep horses healthy.
1: Yes, the horse health is huge, right? And so when you stop blaming the horse for everything that goes wrong, right, you take accountability for your riding yourself, but you start looking beyond, Mm -hmm. you know, okay is there something else going on here and that's a whole journey in itself because you get good advice and you get bad advice and you have to start learning how to find those people that can help you and never like shutting the door on i don't believe in that that's not going to work there because i found so much stuff that helped me and was beneficial that everybody's like oh that's not good that you know that's stupid you know don't do that but I tried it. Some things worked. some things didn't work, but it's being able to be open to find it. And, and not only taking care of your horse, but mentally having that mental approach of being positive, working hard and being in the right frame of mind is everything. And, and you, you got to have a little success to build confidence to whatever, but you got to put the work in to get there. Right. So it's a, yeah. it's a mental game as well. And, um, just not letting other people, you know, think they're better than you just get out of all that. All of it is just, it's just doesn't do you any good. Just Send all that stuff. What anybody thinks, what any coach thinks, you know, I mean, I, sometimes I can't believe what coaches say, but they say things in the heat of the moment and, right. And some people need that little extra drive. I needed somebody to yell at me because I was timid when I was young. Mm. You know, my mom's like, "I got you riled up because you re- you did better." You know, because I was a little, I was a little timid, and and um. So, you know, I think coaches—that's their job—is to motivate, and and it's got to be a balance of hey, get the most out of you, but also not tearing you down.
0: Right to a point well, where you're, and, and, and I know as a coach. Then it all carries over. Every kid, the one kid you can yell at and tell him to get his ass in gear. The next kid you put your arm around and say, come on now. The next kid, I mean, even in your clinics. Yeah, yeah, just like horses. Everybody's a little different, different personality. You had, I would think you have good experience on horse maintenance because, and you brought up scamper. And I know everything you ever do, scamper comes up as he should. I mean, yes. uh, he was amazing. The, the, the moon, the stars, everything aligned, but he wasn't even supposed to last. Was he? Didn't, he had bad hawks. He had. No, no, he
1: had great hawks. Great Listen hawks. Listen to this. Okay. So before I even turned pro, mm-hmm. the, the, one of the vets told me he had ringbone. he'll never last get another horse.
0: Oh, that was nice. That was a good. And it's
1: kind of oh. like, oh. oh, So then, I, I mean, this is like a twelve-year-old kid. I'm already learning about DMSO and, you know, making your own mixes <laughs> and paints like they do on the racehorses, right? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I guess I, I tell people I went to the school of Rodeo University of Hard Knocks, and it's true because at, at my school I was like in chemistry, right? That's like, how do I mix this stuff? <laughs>
0: So, but his Hawks were good.
1: He had good Hawks. He, he had really good Hawks and the, and the vet, um, he actually, he got kicked in a Hawk and we had to turn him out for six months and he had a chip there and they're like, okay, he has a 50, 50 chance of coming back. And this was before I turned pro. And he was turned out on the Mesa there at Clayton. And it was a really hard winter. There was a lot of snow, blizzards. Mm. He was in a lot of snow, but it, ultimately that's probably what helped heal that thing up. And uh, when we got him back up, he was sound as he could be. So, but he, he never had his hawks injected. And I, I attribute that never had his hawks injected. Never. And I attribute that to him running framed up, squared up through the turns where he wasn't swinging out. He didn't have that torque through his back. Everything was framed up. And so that's why I try everything that I do today is trying to keep those horses more framed up so that they last.
0: Sure. It's not just about performance. It's about maintain. That makes complete sense. Didn't have that torque, uh, yeah, staying in and position. And they breaking That's, over yeah. more forward sure. than over, o- over this know, way. the edges.
1: Yeah. And, and, and so that always made a lot of sense. But anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, was he, you and I have talked a little about this. Was, to tell the people, was he as much of a old uh, feedlot Brumby as everybody likes the story to be? That, oh my God, $300 at the, the feedlot. For one, you didn't pay $300 for him. That's, no, yeah.
1: my dad paid eleven hundred for him, that, and he did think that was too much at the time. Of but course, he, you know, you know he, <laughs> that, but that was for a little, yeah. I like know a horse that wins a million bucks like $1,100 too much for him. But um, <laughs> you, had I mean, who who had any idea? But right. Scamper went through. So Buddy Draper raised him, and he bucked Buddy off, put him in the hospital, and and then Buddy put him through Lahana. Colorado horse sale. From there, he went to Guymon, Oklahoma. From there, he went to um, Clovis, New Mexico horse sale. Then he went to the cow sale in Clayton, New Mexico, where Tom Ferguson bought him. And then Tom Ferguson sold him to a cowboy in the feedlot. And this is all up to his four-year-old year. Holy crap. And so, and then um, the cowboy that had him there in the feedlot. He was moving and he was going to sell the horses, but he had done a really good job on him working cattle, went real slow with them. So the horse I had, Bardo, had broke his leg. It was devastating. He was a horse that I'd won 15000 on over the last two summers. I, you know, a horse I trained that was a big thoroughbred horse. We had to put him down. So I was like, I got to get another horse. And my dad was, you know, he's like, hey, that little bay horse is really put together good. You know, let's get on him. And my dad said, "Now look, he'll buck. You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to um, be careful when you get on him. You gotta walk him."
0: <laughs> that's, and, there's uh, another dog in the mix right there, there buddy. Yeah, the...
1: that's Clyde. And <laughs> Clyde only barks when he sees squirrels or deer. Okay.
0: Or All right. Horse. Anyway. Sure. Uh.
1: Um. So anyway. Uh, uh. Let's see. Where was that?
0: So um, your your dad found the bay horse in the feedlot. He's put together well.
1: Yeah, no, so so uh, um, that cowboy was moving, right? And so I got, I got uh, Scamper, took him around the barrels, and that's where my dad said, look, he bucks, right? So be careful with him. <laughs> so the first thing I did, I took him out back um, behind the barn where my mom and dad couldn't see me, and I started loping him, and he started bucking, crow hopping a little bit, and I just laughed, thought it was funny and and just the i i'm sure the look on scamper's face was like what is happening right now i okay i love this little girl right and so he yeah so how
0: what were you 13 how old were you
1: i was uh 10
0: or oh my gosh yeah okay
1: right so so anyway uh it was just it was just a match just a match made in heaven and and i mean i was fearless as a little girl like i i the horse i had before i ran him off a mesa into a herd of antelope as fast as he could go was the greatest day of my life. Right. So like, I just fearless. And, Uh, um, you know, so scamper was like, he knew it immediately. Right. It was like, okay, this is good. I like you. What
0: as you're talking and I'm thinking as people listen to this, thinking the same thing, and I'm sure it's come up the path that horse took for one, I'm thinking sea biscuit, you know, for one, why, are, why no movie about, is this come up? Why no movie you know, about you and Scamper?
1: Um, have you looked at the Hollywood movies lately? It's yeah, all right. What it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know, but new line cinema did buy my life story rights and they sent a writer to my house and she lived with us for a couple weeks and she wrote a story that was really not that much about scamper. It was more about, they made up a story about me and a friendship with this bull rider. Cause I was young and he kind of took me under his <laughs> wing. And I mean, it wasn't a love story. It was just the strangest thing. And of course we all wonder like, why, why did they do it this way?
0: Yeah. More than right? people, like, more than people know. Of, yeah. They the do, do it more. than.
1: Scamper. He is the greatest horse on the planet. He was iron horse. Like, like, so we are, you know, we're still always looking for the opportunity to get the movie made about him because he's the greatest horse that ever lived.
0: Ever. Yeah, ever. They got to do that. There was times, I have heard that there was times in making the movie about Lane Frost that Tuff and Cody went to the producer and said, why don't you just make some movie about some bull rider? Because none of this is very accurate.
1: I you know. know. I, I had a hard time. I told people, I'm like, I couldn't even watch the movie about Lane. Yeah. I was friends with them. And everybody told me what the movie was about. I still have never watched the movie to this day because I just couldn't bring myself to watch yeah. it because it's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and, and it's—I always tell people it's not a documentary, just like the no. mo- just like the show Yellowstone. About you know Yellowstone takes place in Montana. It's not a documentary about Montana. Sorry, because on Yellowstone right. it never snows, and his calves are bro- born branded and ear tagged. So and I, so, yeah. Right. Well, I don't know. I just it's it's a shame it can't happen because. Hollywood needs to Hollywood. Well, th-
1: but here's the deal. Part of the reason they couldn't get funding is they said it was too apple pie. You know, it was, it was, you know, yeah. it was just, uh, too there was no anything major happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hey, what's wrong with just, you know, from the beginning, everybody that said that scamper was never going to make it. And, you know, me starting out and just you know, not doing well and finally getting to where, Hey, scamper and I can do it and being made fun of and just guilt getting that drive and making mm. it all happen. Right. What, what's wrong with that what's story with that. nowadays? Give know. people drive.
0: Yeah. You know? I agree. I agree completely. Um, and maybe you should have, you know, maybe you should have dated more bull riders. That was the answer. You screwed it yeah. up. Charmaine. Come on, man.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, um, uh, you were, you know, in the famous, and I guess this didn't, uh, didn't register until recently, in the famous run where you caught his bridle on the gate going into the arena at the NFR and you won the go-round with no bridle on his head. It was around his neck. You were like 15 years old at, at that run. Am I right? You were like, um, you were young. Yeah, 85. Yeah, I was 15. Were you just too young and dumb to panic? I mean, no big deal. Um, Well, I
1: knew what happened in the, and, and really, I think that when things like this happen, your brain has to already be like, you can't be in panic mode. Mm -hmm. You know, I think I had already been enough as kids, you know, with (laughs) runaways and whatever else. Right. So it's not really like panic mode. All the first thing that I thought of was just act like nothing's wrong. Just keep, keep it, keep the bit, keep a little tension and act like nothing's wrong. And and so, anyway, everything was fine. And then go running out of the arena and they start closing the gate. You're like, oh, open the gate. I can't get stopped. Right. Yeah. But then it was instantly, I got to jump off before we hit the concrete because that will be bad. Yeah. I mean, it, even at 15, yeah, you're not that dumb. You realize you get on the concrete right. on your, you know, horse running, right. you're, it's going to be bad.
0: And for people who don't know, it, Thomas and Mac, the dirt, the ramp, you're below ground level and it's uphill. And it's dirt all the way, but then you get a parking lot. Basically. Well, so
1: the the way it was set up, you had a that ramp, that mm-hmm. dirt ramp that went up, and then there was a war- dirt warm up arena oh, right, behind right. it, and then from there, it was all concrete, clear to the strip. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so um, the thing about it is, is uh, now they have it blocked <laughs> off, but at the time, that ramp going up obviously helped, and. And scamper was a little skittish around people, but my uncle was at the top and and I had the reins around his neck and I was yelling at him, whoa, 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 you know? And I he had slowed up by the time he got to the top, but my uncle grabbed the reins and kind of skidded with him a little bit, kind of, you know, tried to kind of stop him. And that normally would have freaked him out and he just stopped. Huh. And I always tell people, Hey, you better believe you got a guardian angel riding alongside (laughs) there because seriously, there was something divine that happened, you know, that, that day. And, and then they came back and they're like, Hey, you won the go around. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, you just don't realize the scope of what just happened. Yeah. You know, until later.
0: I have a, I have a very, one of my best friends in New Mexico is from New Mexico. A great state. Uh, well they're trying yeah. to ruin it but they're trying to yeah exactly he claims that you would show up at high school rodeos and head steers on scamper at high school no. rodeos. no you didn't head no. on scamper okay i'm going to tell him richard jones no. do you know richard jones
1: there's a lot yeah there's a, there's a lot of those, stories those li- that yeah circulated around okay. and maybe i started some of them like the one that, <laughs> that uh hey scamper lays down in the trailer um and so i heard that like Everywhere I went, they're like, We well, hear Scamper's so oh. good because he lays down in the trailer. And I'm like, Well, only when I go too fast around the corners does he lay down. And
0: <laughs> good job. Just good just job. Right. So I had a little fun along uh, the way. yeah. I'm going to tell my friend Richard that you did not head on Scamper. Do you know Richard Jones? Do you know my friend Richard? No. I'm, you you know, might. I
1: don't, but I. I tried to break away a little britches and I went to one. They didn't pay any money, so I didn't go back anymore because I had to pay. My dad wanted me to pay my way going down the road, so I didn't go to any more of them.
0: Uh, hey, it, you know, I I bring up you were 15 years old at the time all that happened. Nowadays, I don't I don't know that people think about it that much. Now you can't the W P R A. You have to be 18. Yeah,
1: uh, that, I know that...
0: What do you think of that? What's your opinion uh, on? I
1: think they, well, here's here's what I know. Um, if, if, uh, someone weighs 70 pounds, I think there is a little bit of an unfair advantage with somebody who weighs a lot less because I don't know the exact breakdown of it, but possibly that, uh, half a second is 50 pounds, right?
0: Uh, Lisa, I think it's Lisa Lockhart said 10 pounds is it could be a 10th. I think it was Lisa said that. Yeah.
1: That would be the same thing, right? Yeah, right. Um, so I think we're probably on the same page there. So yeah, if somebody's in there and weighs 70 pounds, it's, it is a, it is a little bit unfair. Now, I don't think that's why they did it. They did that. You had to be 18 because of, uh, insurance laws. And, um, when I was 14, I know I weighed 100, 120 pounds. You know, I, I was, everybody's like, you were so little. I'm like, no, I really wasn't that little. Like, I don't know where, you know,
0: (laughs) I never know. I've never known in my life what a girl weighs. So, cause they never yeah, say, "Well,
1: you, that, Hey, you, you train that brain and they yeah, never that, get you
0: in trouble. That's right. I don't know. I just was wondering if you, you know, when that, when that rule went through, a lot of people very much disagreed with it. A lot of people liked it. Um, I don't know. You know, there was you. Fallon Taylor was young. Rachel Millimackie was like 11.
1: Well, and there was it, Ann Lewis who uh, was 10 years old when she won it. Right. Exactly. You know? So um, she, she was killed in a car wreck later but yeah there's been a lot of um a lot of them that were young and did well i i just i don't know i i i don't know i i had the opportunity when i was 14 and would like to think that other people should be able to jump in there and do it um insurance reasons okay i guess um you got to do what you got to do but also it's, it's possible, you know, in horse racing because of the gambling and so on and so forth they're you know, they got the weight, Yeah. they all weigh the same.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm like you, you and I are good at, I don't know. I do the same thing. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, yeah. I, no, yeah, I don't ever
1: get stuck in a box of yeah, I know. this it's, or that. I can, I can kind of see both sides and.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I know. Um, you cloned scamper. Yes. Take heat from that. What was the feedback on that?
1: Oh, yeah. There was a lot of heat for that. You know, I I can remember reading a few blogs and I really don't get on social media too much. I try to kind of stay away from too much stuff because really people, they're just looking to attack somebody for the most part, you know, I don't really, I don't really need that. And so, or want to see it or read it or hear what they're attacking someone else for. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, there were things like oh yeah they're if they do that they're gonna create another osama bin laden and oh, oh they'll they'll never be another scamper and i don't know what you're doing like just all this stuff and i mean i can see all that if you don't know me um right. but really i did it because it was a lost bloodline you know there the mayor was no more it was a lost bloodline and this the the longevity that scamper had and how sound he was and um you know that's something that's missing in the barrel horses today there's Mm -hmm. just a lot of um not great confirmation and feet and legs and so really i did it more to you know to try to put some better bloodlines out there and at the time we were breeding a lot of horses Mm -hmm. and um we have Clayton. He's a great horse. You can go jump on him and go ride. You can rope on him. You can do anything on him. But, you know, my life shifted gears with my kids. And, you know, I just, I didn't really get into the breeding business as big. I I, I was focused on my kids, focused on the school. And I had to make a, a decision somewhere. What do I do? And so I haven't promoted breeding them. I used to sell a lot of horses. I would buy horses that were blowed up and sell them and that's a tedious thing you fall in love with those horses and sell them and somebody can't ride them and then they terrorize them again i just like i'm i just don't want to do it i love them too much you know that's been the whole reason that's been a big part of my success with scamper and all of them is i love the horses and want to treat them right they really are a gift from god and so i just think that we got to treat them good and So that's why I just kind of got out of that. I I love teaching. I know I can help. I know I can make a difference in taking care of my mom and dad and my kids. And so that's why I'm not big into the.
0: Yeah, I get that. I understand that completely. Um, You went to 19 NFRs in a row. There, there are there are people out there that have had one horse, went and won a world title or w- went to the NFR. That was it. Never saw him again. 19, consent, 19 NFRs in a row. How many different horses did you ride at the NFR? Do you know off the top of your head?
1: Um. Well, I probably don't know that number, but I can think real quick. So I had Scamper. Scamper. I had Magic. I had Sloopy. Um, I rode Boomer um, and Cruiser were the main ones, right? and, you know, a few other ones in, you know, just kind Throwing of help in. out here or there.
0: What was but the paint? The didn't you, ones. didn't you ride a paint horse? Which one was that? That was, Ma- that
1: was magic. Magic.
0: Who the hell makes it to the NFR and a paint horse? Nice work.
1: <laughs> was, hey, I'm an Indian girl. That can happen, that right? Can I happen. have a Indian card, so that's why that, that happened.
0: Took a, you went on a Pinto. He was a yes. Pinto. That, yes. I, I remember that. I remember Uh, the year you made it and I said anybody that thinks Charmaine James was a one horse wonder she's at the damn NFR on a Pinto I mean that's I I
1: heard all the jokes I heard all of it for sure
0: you needed an app you needed an Appaloosa
1: I want an app I want one of those loud Appaloosa horses (laughs) that would be so much fun
0: which one did Joe Bumgartner paint its feet bright orange
1: that was Cruiser
0: Cruiser at Pendleton, right? I don't even At remember Pendleton,
1: the store. His feet were orange.
0: Bright orange. Because you did something or you got back. Joe Baumgartner, great bullfighter. He told me I painted I painted cruiser's feet. I'm orange. not
1: sure what I did to deserve that.
0: <laughs> that was the special. It was like a queen contest. You had bright orange feet. It was fabulous. So yeah. and I bring that up because and I told these guys it helped me. I said people may you you brought it up earlier. People don't who know me know this who know me. I know, I told these guys, people don't know, it. Charmaine's a smartass. Like, <laughs>
1: I'm not really smart. I just like to have a good time, right? <laughs> like, I, I think that's what kept me sane all those years. Like, yeah. I just like to have a good time.
0: Uh, um, one more topic here, and I bring it up a lot. As a matter of fact, people who are around me, and I've interviewed people on a radio show I had, I've talked about it. I've had friends reach out because they've heard me talk about it. These guys. I have a thing. You are a member of the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. There's two things about the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame that I can't believe. One of them solved. How did the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame go all those years and never put a female in there? It's not called the PRCA Hall of Fame, it's a Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. And it took, you went in, your horse went in years before you did. How'd that? How did they go all those years and not put ladies in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame?
1: I think it was just, that's how it was. You know what I mean? It's just a mindset that people get stuck in, you know, and it's just the guys. I think, you know, going back to the equal money thing, right? Barrel racers Mm -hmm. didn't have equal money for a lot of years. And I kind of dug my heels in on that and went to work trying to get the barrel racers equal money. Maybe I had a little part to play in that somewhere along the way. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, hey, now that you got it and it's good, hey, let's all get along and move forward together. I don't, I don't really want to look back on it in a negative way, why they did or they didn't. I think it was just an old mindset. And, you know, coming out of that, they're out of it. It's good. The barrel racers are, you know, they're now getting inducted into the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. And so I really, I'm not interested in hashing it up. I appreciate yeah. them yeah. for acknowledging us and, you know when I when I went up there and gave my speech, I, that was my main focus. Is that I'm not going to be an ass about any of this mm-hmm. and rub it in. I'm just thankful that they now are allowing people in. It's a great recognition, and hey, just moving forward from that.
0: Okay, here's another one. And this you can you can be more. I, I'm giving you permission to be out, more outspoken on this topic about the Hall of Fame. It is, and this is the one I bring up all the time. Uh, one of the criteria to be in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame is you have to be a world champion. I, there are people I, uh, I'm not saying nobody's des- certain people aren't deserving to be in the Hall of Fame. I think there's people that do deserve to be in a Hall of Fame, in the Hall of Fame that don't win a world championship. And I always, I always the you know the one I always bring up is uh, what if Lisa Lockhart goes through her well, career? You were thinking, thinking the same. same.
1: Thing. I'm like yes. Uh, I was reading your mind, but, but also I, I would say, well, Lisa Lockhart is a prime example. What a leader in the industry of talent. She has been, you know what I mean? Just, she's a great person. She's won so much. She's been out there. Wow. She's definitely one that deserves to be in there.
0: But with the criteria of uh, instantly she's not, she, you know, um,
1: Well, it's just like anything, Flint. We can talk about that here on this podcast until somebody gets ready to go and and do something about it,
0: right? And just
1: say, hey, what do we got to do to change this? Um,
0: Yeah. Um, Right? That's all
1: it is. It's like all the stuff that gets pushed into our schools. Nobody's even watching what happens, right? And we sit around and we talk about it. Somebody's got to start doing something about all this Uh, instead of just talking about it.
0: Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me, Charmaine. I can name. I I did, uh, one of my first episodes was Dan Mortensen on this podcast. He was actually here. And his, I brought it up to him. And he said, are you telling me Rod Hay isn't a Hall of Famer? He made it to the NFR 20 times as a saddle bronc rider. Um, Rod Lyman, one of the best bulldoggers of our time.
1: They should be in there. They should be in there. Yes, I I
0: agree. See, we do agree on. On something. Yes, um, I would like you to know that sixteen episodes in, I was on the verge, probably of somebody noticing this. You're our first girl. You're our first female guest on this Aww. podcast. Yay. I know. So, uh, and you should know, and and I don't want to keep you all day. And I appreciate your time. And we don't see each other enough, but you know, we have we have over on in this office a whiteboard of people that we want on this show. And when we said, what about, you know, good lady guests that that can speak out for rodeo? We have singers. This podcast takes in every category. You were my first. If I said, if I'm, you know, my first choice for a female to represent the Western sports world and what they do, Charmaine James was my first choice, just so you know.
1: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. And there's a lot of other great ones out there, yeah. you know, Lisa Lockhart does a great job and I, mm-hmm. you know, appreciate you reaching out there, you know, and having me on and go yeah. through all this stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, just, Hey, we're just promoting this Western lifestyle. My gosh, the rodeo people and the, and the Western industry, these people are great people.
0: If we don't, if we do not pass it on to someone, whether it's our My girls, by the way, are on the rodeo team at Montana State University. They'd rope every day if they could. They have some great barrel horses. Um, you know, I never, was a, uh, never dreamed I'd make a living in rodeo, and here I am. But if we don't pass it on either to our kids or someone else's kids, it ends, because it's not far from being able to do that.
1: I agree. I yeah. agree.
0: Um, all right, listen, I haven't seen your boys probably since they were tiny. Uh, tell him hello, wish him luck on baseball. Uh, Tony, that old guy you live with, I haven't seen him forever. And through the years, I watched you, we kind of are the same age. When I was 15 years old, I watched Charmaine James on TV. And later and even now, what means the most to me is that I consider you a very good friend and I've always appreciated your friendship. We've had a ball and I appreciate it, Charmaine.
1: I agree. Yeah, good friends. And it's great to catch up. Hey, we just aired out right here.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right. You're the best, Charmaine. Thank you. Yeah, you're Charmaine, the best. Charmaine James, you. everybody.